listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this on the eve of the Los Angeles Lakers. First preseason game of the new season. They're taking on the Clippers uh, Friday night. Joining me for this podcast, Christian Rivas, who's been on with me the last couple of weeks. Christian, what's going on, my man? Uh, nothing much. Just trying to get some last-minute Christmas shopping done. It is not going great, if I'm going to be honest with you. I still have a few people to shop for and, and no idea what to get them. So hoping to get that sorted out by the end of this weekend because, um, I mean, most places you're gonna, it, it's going to take a week to, to get shipping to your home. So, yeah, I am. that is the only thing I'm worried about. I'm much more worried about uh, that than I am preseason basketball. Uh, especially if LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't going to be playing. What kind of a Lakers media member is this guy? Focus on Christmas the day before the preseason opener. Come on, come on. <laughs> right now, I'm just messing with you. I, I, you know what? It's, it's kind of weird for me, too, because uh, now that you mention it, I'm like, I haven't even started my Christmas shopping, so I better, I better, get, I better get on that as well. So <laughs> down to basically two weeks as of, uh, as of Friday. Before we jump into things regarding the Lakers, I do have to say subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much all anywhere you get your fix. And don't forget, of course, Christian, uh, Sabrina Harrison got you covered over at silverscreenandroll.com. So wanted to jump into this off the bat, Christian. Uh, you, you obviously do know the news because you wrote about it for, for Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, LeBron James was on the Road Tripping Podcast referring to how he couldn't believe how much ish the Clippers were talking about basically their championship real their their championship aspirations and how the fact that they should have been the favorite um going into last season obviously we had the pandemic kind of chopped the, the season up into two uh what do you make of what do you make of how he kind of he took notice of all this stuff evidently i mean we don't hear about this stuff publicly in the nba anymore and, and i know you're, you're you're younger than me but in the 90s especially the early 90s if they want to take jabs at each other in terms of uh talking smack through the media or looking at the camera and, and calling out an opponent they did it but we don't really see that as much nowadays until a player probably retires as we've seen with the up and smoke uh, podcast where guys will go on and, and maybe share some of their true feelings. But uh, were you surprised to see that LeBron kind of was that open about what, what the Clippers were doing last season? Oh, uh, I, not really. I think coming off of a championship, he's, you know, feeling himself a little bit and, and feeling confident enough to talk about all of that stuff in hindsight. I think that was, the biggest issue I took with with all the smack the Clippers talked last season is that they carried themselves like a team that had accomplished so much, and uh, it, particularly Patrick Beverly, who I think did the the bulk of the talking through the media that that you're referring to. Um, oh, that's not he, shocking, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think the fact that they carried themselves in that way. And, and I, I wrote in this story, I think the biggest issue I had beyond that was the messaging, the Clippers as an organization had, um, you know, they didn't subliminal or they didn't explicitly say that they felt like they were a more hardworking and LA authentic organization than the Lakers were, but, I mean, they sent, they certainly sent those subliminal subliminal messages through, you know, the billboards and the the you know community outreach they did. The latter of which I don't have a problem with at all. Like the mm -hmm. the fact that they built those basketball courts in in LA communities, I think that's awesome. Um, but they they tried very hard 
to make themselves LA's team. Uh, and, and they just weren't successful. I mean, they weren't going to be even if they won last season, but uh, it, it, it just felt like they carried themselves with a sense of entitlement for making the playoffs for, I don't know how many years they did it. Uh, but I mean, they were to their credit, they, they did build some legitimacy in those lob city eras uh, in the lob city era. And even post Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, Deandre Jordan, that Clippers team uh, from the 2018-19 season was really impressive to me. The fact that Doc yeah. Rivers willed them to the playoffs, I thought that was all fine and dandy. Uh, by no means did I think they were in any position to to be running their mouths, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, the, the way they were in, you know? Yeah, I get that. I mean, the the billboards were a bit much. I mean, those killed me too. You know, driving around LA or, or walking around, you know, the we over me and all this this kind of I'm going to call it it's crap. It was just so stupid. It was lame marketing because obviously we saw at the end of it that it wasn't we over me. It was you know what I mean. They were they were completely caught up in being um, individuals and they they had no cohesiveness. But I, I'm with you. I mean that 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 2018 19 Clippers team was a little bit more enjoyable. They, they, were, they were more fun to watch in terms of because they were, they were like plucky underdogs, you know what I mean? And, and so that kind of um, uh, gave people a reason to support them. But, you know, it, it's funny to see um, this kind of come into the forefront now, you know? And, and it's funny, I was, on a, I was on a radio, I did a radio hit um, talking NBA last week, and I was asked, like, well, what would the Clippers ever have to do to, you know, kind of take over the town in, in terms of for the Lakers? And I'm like, they probably have to move to Las Vegas because they're never going to take over what Los Angeles is. Like Los Angeles will always be uh, a Lakers town. But, I, you know, to me, this adds a nice layer uh, to the – I don't want to call it a rivalry because for it to be a rivalry, teams have to win. But between maybe the, 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 um, the animosity between the two teams, I, I would say th- this kind of adds another layer to it, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think that the – not just the trash talk, but the acknowledgement of the trash talk now, I think just adds something for, I guess, Clippers fans to be mad about. And the whole reason I wrote that story in the first place is because I saw a lot of pushback from Clippers fans who just were, I, I guess, blind to the fact that the, that the Clippers really did carry themselves like a championship organization and, and, treated the Lakers kind of as their little brother when, you know, we all know that that's obviously not the case. The Clippers have not been LA's team since they've been here. I mean, by the time they moved here, the Clippers were already a championship winning organization. So um, it was just weird. It was, it was weird to see that from the Clippers uh, because for years, even when, even during the Lob City era, during their, what I consider their peak, um, you know, Blake Griffin, was asked like what do you think about this Lakers Clippers rivalry it was it was when the Clippers were just absolutely dominating the Lakers we're just a better team and be if for no other reason than the Lakers were such a bad team um and Blake Griffin flat out said it's not a rivalry because we haven't won anything like they're still the Lakers and we're still the Clippers we're trying to work towards that but right now that's that's just not who we are um I'm not saying that's the attitude the Clippers should always have. I'm not saying they should, you know, bow down to the Lakers and and pay them their respect every chance they get. But, um, you know, it's either acknowledging that the the Lakers are just 
generally speaking uh, on a different level than they are or just not saying anything at all in my opinion uh but they're competitors they they want to beat the lakers i understand they feel a different way i just think they could have gone about it a little a little differently yeah and i think so too you know it was it was aggressive marketing let's be honest i mean they they really and, and and they were trying to like hey um, we got we got Kawhi, we got Paul George, so we're we're gonna show the city we're going all in, and and you know we're gonna try and attract as many people as we can. And and like you mentioned, I I just don't I, you know it is the right attitude. You don't want to just be a doormat, right? And just sit there and say, hey, you know, we're just gonna let the Lakers kind of run over us. Like, okay, good for you. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you know put, kind of draw your line in the sand and 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 try and and say, hey, you know what? We're not gonna back down from you guys. Now that's a good way to do it, but you gotta have the clout in order to sit there and brag about things and they just didn't have it. And, and for me, I think that's where, that, that's where they made the mistake in how they were carrying themselves this year. What one more Clippers thing. So, you know, Paul George, four year, $190 million deal to, to extend with, uh, with the Clippers. Again, I, I, Paul George is a, is a good player. He's, he's an all-star level player. I don't know if he's a superstar. Obviously you're looking at, at where he's been and how far he's taken teams in the playoffs. I don't think you can consider him to be a true superstar, but at the same time, don't you feel like they had to go all in on this, considering what they gave up on him? Like, they couldn't just be like, all right, we're not going to really commit to this guy being here long term. Uh, if things don't work out with him and him and Kawhi together, it's like, all right, we're, we're going to chuck our, our chips into the middle of the table and, and hope it works out. Yeah, and, and let's not, like, I understand the Lakers fans want to, why the Lakers fans want to pile on to Paul George and the Clippers as much as they have, like, like we said, the the way the Clippers carried themselves it was just it opened themselves up to criticism, and it wasn't just with the Lakers. Like uh, our our buddy Harrison brought up a really good point to me about uh, you know the way the Clippers talked with the Portland Trailblazers about sending them home. The whole you know one two three Cancun callback. Um, they they thought that they were the best of the best, and that it was almost a given that they were going to win the title this year with how talented they were. Obviously wasn't the case. Lakers won the title. Um, But all of that being said, Paul George at his best is still like a top 15 player in the league. And if you're the, if you're the Clippers, not too many of those guys are going to be coming down the pipeline in the next five years. And, and certainly not ones like not ones that you gave up a, a boatload of assets for like the 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 fact that they traded for him they traded what they did for him and um how talented he is I I think it was you know a given that he'd do it the big question mark for me wasn't whether or not the Clippers were gonna re-sign Paul George my question was whether or not Paul George was gonna re-sign with the Clippers because it seems like you know he flip-flops a little bit what what his favorite team and childhood team was every every three or four years and and where he wants to retire so um but I think it's you know overall a good deal for them they have Paul George locked up let's see if they can get Kawhi Leonard done and if they can do that uh we're going to be talking about the Lakers and Clippers for at least the next four to five years yeah yeah it, it should be I mean I'll, it should be I mean I'm happy to kind of both teams are considered contenders at the same right. time which I've, I've never seen in my in my lifetime they've never been you know elite NBA franchise franchises simultaneously although I mean, the Clippers really haven't been, other than if you, if you want to call them uh, that Lob City team a contender, you can. I, I don't think they were ever a legitimate threat to actually win the championship. Uh, I want to jump into a few more topics ahead of the first preseason game. Let's do that after a short break. 
All right, and we are back. I uh, want to jump into the, the preseason game. We'll do that towards the end. Uh, you know, again, LeBron and AD likely not going to play. So let's be honest. I mean, it's going to be uh, an exhibition, really. At least we'll get a chance to see the, the new Lakers and how they're fitting in in, in Frank Vogel's system. But um, Harrison wrote a report as well on uh, the Lakers trying to see what's happening with the Trevor Ariza thing. Uh, if he does end up getting bought out, would they look at bringing him in as, as a depth piece? What do you think of that? Is it, is it time to move on from Trevor Ariza or is that, do you think that intrigues you a little bit as like, okay, he, you know, he could be a good fit on, on the team and actually play meaningful minutes. Yeah, I think um, I, I've made it no secret on, on this show and uh, other shows on our network that I think wing defense is, uh, is something that the Lakers need to address sooner rather than later, especially if, you know, we think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to be healthy this season. Um, I, I would like to see them go after a wing defender. I don't know how much Trevor Ariza still has in the tank, but I think given the options that are available or are expected to become available, uh, he is the best. I mean, ultimately, we're talking about somebody who is going to be the 13th to 15th man on the roster. I mean, mm-hmm. even Quinn Cook, who's on a non-guaranteed contract, is going to have a similar role to the one he had last season because of the emergence of Quinn Cook, because of the acquisition of Dennis Schroeder. And then, obviously, I think Alex Caruso and Contavious Caldwell-Pope both took leaps in the bubble, and I expect them to have even bigger roles than they had last season. Um, so I, I think Trevor Ariza will come in, maybe, if, if he is bought out. Because the report from Shams Trania of The Athletic was, that he's expected to start the season with the Thunder, but he is a buyout candidate just because of his contract and his age. Um, and I, I do fully expect him to be bought out. If he is, and he's you know, willing to take the veterans minimum, which I think is what he's worth on this market right now, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd, be, I'd be happy to see the Lakers sign him even if, even if his shooting from when he was with the Rockets you know, d- doesn't show up because, again – you look at the wings that are available on the market right now, it's, it's, it's especially when it comes to players that can defend uh, other wings and, and wings of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Giannis Antetokounmpo's caliber. The, the list is short, and even if it's just barely, I think Trevor Ariza fits that category. Yeah, and he, you know, he played respectably well for the for the Blazers last uh, last right. season you know when it, whenever he did he did play I mean he still put up 11 points a game shot 40 percent from from beyond the arc and you mentioned having wings I I think it's going to be critical critical for every NBA team to have a ton of depth especially ones who have championship aspirations we don't know what's going to happen with the COVID stuff uh, a positive test could lead to you sitting out two weeks which is you know got, you know with, with a condensed schedule seven eight games that's that's a lot in the standings you know what I mean so um, I, I would love that if the Lakers do bring him in I, I think he's a he's a valuable veteran we, we saw last season this team doesn't mind taking flyers on on some older guys and, and wants to be able to give Frank Vogel options and and I think that worked really well with the team um, especially in the bubble where it wasn't really this set rotation it was like Frank Vogel has you know nine or ten um, chips at, at play for, for who he wants to have on the court, and he can kind of vary that depending on who the opponent is. So I, I think Trevor Ariza uh, does does provide that for the team, and and based off of last season's success, I, I say why not on a flyer on a guy like that if he comes cheap. You know, you find a way to make it work uh, the way they the way they did with Morris um, last season. Now uh, going into the first preseason game, are you expecting anything, or are you just kind of going to look at it and say, Hey, you know what, let's just watch this and, and, and see what happens and, and kind of look to see how the, how the new guys fit in. 
Yeah, I'm not going to put too much sock into anything I see in the preseason. Um, I think what we'll probably see and what, and I, I don't know if this is a good thing. I think it'll be a good thing for his trade value, but I, I think we're going to see Kyle Kuzma with LeBron James and Anthony Davis out look similar to the player he was as a starter last season and as a starter in the previous two seasons. Cause I think Kyle Kuzma is a legitimately talented basketball player. And I think if he is ever traded from the Lakers, he's probably going to be a reliable number two option on another team. Uh, and he's going to look like a steal for whatever contract he gets, whether it's the Lakers or, or another team uh, gives him in a few years. Um, but yeah, I think, We'll see Kyle Kuzma have a few big games in the preseason starting on Friday. And my worry, though, is that with a big preseason, I think the narrative of the Kyle Kuzma breakout season, the Kyle Kuzma contract year will start. And the fact of the matter is, is that Kyle Kuzma is just not going to be that number two or even number three option with the Lakers and, and the way they play. Uh, I think it's clear with this team, he's his primary role is, is as a three and D guy. Um, the three we haven't seen in a little while and the D uh, is just starting to get there. So, uh, you know, to be determined on, on how he looks in that role again this year, but yeah, I expect, uh, I expect big things from Kyle Kuzma, the player I'm actually interested in seeing. And I think actually has something to gain from this preseason is Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring him up actually. I was going to say, what, you know, are you looking at him to, I mean, he didn't, look like I mean again he didn't get too much run in the, when the games actually mattered but he looked like you know he's, he's legitimate uh, gonna be an NBA player if he continues to to develop and I'm interested to in seeing what what he brings and if he can kind of overtake like a, a guy like Wes Matthews in the in the rotation you know what I mean as, as the season grows on and he's getting to spend an entire year practicing against LeBron James, you know, practicing against Dennis Schroeder, uh, practicing against Kyle Kuzma, and he's up with the big club. I'm excited to see what kind of leap he makes. Or what do you think that he has to improve most in order for him to even get a chance at, at, at getting a crack in the rotation? Yeah, I think so. I think Taylor that's not afraid of the moment in the playoffs. I mean, to play in the Western Conference semifinals as a rookie and like one of the youngest rookies in his, or, sorry, uh, yeah, one of the youngest rookies in his draft class. To be able to come in and do that, I think, speaks volumes about his potential as a player, uh, at least from a mental standpoint. That being said, uh, I watched a lot of his tape in the G League, and I watched a lot of games. Taylor Horton Tucker can't shoot from anywhere on the floor, and and that includes mid-range and uh, in, in, in the post uh, from behind the three-point line, which is, you know, long-term where the Lakers are probably going to want him to improve the most. But I mean, beyond that, his footwork and how crafty he is with the ball in his hands and uh, his ability to finish around the rim are all positive things. Uh, and I think that's ultimately the role he's going to play even this year, unless again, his, his shooting takes a big leap. Uh, so that I'm excited about. I don't know if he'll carve out a permanent role in the rotation, uh, but I definitely think he'll play more than six games this season. Uh, and I think, you know, God forbid somebody contracts COVID or, or picks up an injury. I think he will probably be ahead of Quinn Cook in the rotation when it comes to guards. Uh, and even with, with his wingspan, wingspan and the size of his hands, uh, I think he could even sneak in some minutes at that three spot. Um, because, again, 
not a great shooter, but he, he has long arms and can make cuts. And if, if you can do that playing alongside a playmaker, like, you know, LeBron James or Dennis Schroeder, or even Marcus all, uh, I think you're, you're in good shape. So yeah, I, I am excited for Kalen. I, I hope he has a big season and I hope it starts in the preseason. I think he's going to have a, 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 I do think he'll start making, making his mark. You know, the shooting is something they can, they can always approve on and, and, you know, Frank Vogel's already said, he's like, you know, he has a chance to be really good immediately. And, and, and I agree with that. They don't, they don't have an option in the G League for him, for him to play in. And I think it's going to be beneficial for him to, to actually get that run and get those reps with, with NBA-level talent and not just NBA-level talent. We're talking superstar talent with, with LeBron and uh, AD here as well. Uh, we'll wrap up on this. The NBA, you know, the ESPN's uh, top 100 players rankings come out. Again, it's always subjective. You don't really know. I mean, it's a... Uh, it could hold true for the season. It could not. But they went with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the two best in the game. Do you agree with that? Or do you think somebody should have beat up? I mean, LeBron James, I can't argue with at number one. I also can't argue that AD to me is maybe a top five player. But do you think they're one and two in the league overall? Um, I, I'm probably going to get in trouble with Lakers fans over this. But I think Giannis is still probably the, the best player in the league. Um, just Blasphemy. because, like, Blasphemy, Christian. Blasphemy. <laughs> When we're talking about just like regular season longevity and, um, you know, I, I, I think Giannis still has a little ways to go when it comes to his all-around game. But the fact that he can dominate the way he has without being as polished as a LeBron James or even an Anthony Davis offensively is remarkable. I think he absolutely deserved both the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year award last year, even though you could – I could very easily make the case for Anthony Davis. Um, but yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd go Giannis at one, LeBron at two, uh, AD at three, Luca at four, and then uh, James Harden at five. Damn, I was going to say, where do Kawhi and, and, and Kevin Durant, you know, coming back from injury, where, where do they fit in your list? That's that I, I would say, I, again, I'm going to go with LeBron one until somebody can actually dethrone him at the top. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody has the entirety of his career, regardless of, of how good, uh, a certain player is because when LeBron wants to be engaged and wants to kind of uh, put in that extra effort, we've, we've seen just how dominant he could be. I, I can't argue with you going Giannis in the top two as well. Uh, I do think he's going to, and he's continuing to develop. And then I, I, again, I don't know who I'd go with at three, four and five. I, it'd be a mashup somewhere of AD, um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kevin Durant, and then you got Luca obviously coming up. So uh, Harden's obviously there, you know, in that, in that group as well. So NBA, it's, it's low. It's good to see, I mean, a bunch of superstars in it. Cause you know, you remember during the two thousands, there wasn't a lot of true superstars in the NBA, like, like there is now. So we're, we're getting more and more. Uh, let's wrap up on this. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with, with James Harden? Ultimately, do you think he finishes the season in Houston? Uh, <laughs> finishes. That's a good question. Starts. Yes. I, I have no doubt that he is going to start the season in Houston and I think he'll be good. Uh, my hot take that I have, I have reserved for just my private friend circle. Uh, but I will, I will put it out there right now. It, I'm going to be honest. I'm not super confident in it, uh, like at all, but it sounds good. And I think there's a, there's a path to it and I want to get out in front of it. I think it is possible that the Rockets are better than they were last season. Like it depends on a lot of things. It depends on, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins being healthy. It depends on James Harden buying into to 
the team and the style of play that uh, Steven Silas wants to play. Uh, but I think Christian Wood is legitimately very good. And James Harden is a, is a good playmaker. And I think they're going to be a good one, two punch. And, you know, whether it's John Wall or DeMarcus Cousins as a, th- as a third option uh, along with, you know, Eric Gordon and, and PJ Tucker, I yeah, think they got boogie cousins there as well. Right. So I think you look at their depth. I think they're still going to be pretty good, but again, it depends on John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins being healthy. Uh, and I'm not saying, like, it's easy to say if John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins are back to their all-star form, the Rockets are going to be better than they were last year. I'm not even saying all-star form. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, not being played off of the court and maybe being, like, 70% of what they used to be post-injury. So that is my take. Uh, again, if I am wrong, I'm not going to be super upset about it because, I mean, it's the Rockets. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Whatever. Well, that's a very cavalier attitude to have. I just wanted to ask about James Harden. It's a big story in the league, but okay, Christian, fine. Whatever. I'll just invest with you. But um, I think he ends up getting traded. Uh, I don't think they're going to want to have that that soap opera and and the sideshow there. Uh, He seems like he's already has one foot out the door. And I just don't see them being able to to, to reconcile that at, at this point. It seems like he has his heart set on Brooklyn. They don't have the assets that would, I think, really, unless they could make a couple of side deals to to get some, uh, you know, more first-round picks or some young talent. I, I don't see them doing it, but I could see a team, like, if the 76ers struggle for the first 25 games, you know, they might be willing to offer up a player like Ben, ben Simmons. So uh, I do ultimately think he is going to get moved. Um, I, I just don't know at what point. I, I don't think Houston can – can let that drag on either way though hey we're, we're on the verge of the of the nba season starting officially 12 days uh from from the regular season kicking off but we do have some uh, some basketball black back at the staples center I might just walk by the staples center just to just to kind of get get the feeling back even though there's gonna be nobody there but still it'll be kind of cool to uh to experience and, and and be around an nba game again um at least we're, we're, we're getting that on a, on a pretty quick turnaround after the lakers won the championship that does it for this episode. Uh, Christian, anything to plug you got going on th- this weekend that you're going to be writing about? No, just uh, a lot of basketball content coming up at Silver Screen and Roll and, and all over SB Nation. So be on the lookout for that. We are producing loads of content every day. And uh, yeah, and subscribe to this podcast network, obviously. Well, there you go. He just made my job easier. Like you heard Christian, you can listen to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. And of course, you can also check out Christian's great work at uh, SacktownRoyalty.com. He loves doing his king's work there. Again, that does it for this episode. We'll catch you all next week.